Hey, this is Jose Galison, and this is No Way Jose. I'm on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on all the major podcatchers. This right here is a live stream, uh, so to catch this, like the initial, you obviously got to do it on YouTube. Uh, it's also on Twitter as well. I stream from the Tower Gang one because I'm a tech boomer. I don't know how to set up the Periscope and shit. So whatever, it'll be in the Tower Gang one. It gives you a reason to follow them and me. Uh, but I also want to say a quick thank you to Justin for that intro uh, at JCamp1521. He's a he's a silent guy behind uh, uh, like a lot of the fucking big dogs. He does a lot of their work and shit. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate the help with that, Justin. I really dig it. Uh, it kind of works out perfectly that it, it, we're going to be having a Hoppian. Uh, <laughs> anyone who knows Hoppians knows the joke there. Um, so my guest today is Jared of the Hoppian.org. Uh, like I said, this is a live stream. This will only be available like basically the day of, and then I'm immediately put it on private. That way, my uh, patrons have a fucking reason to be patrons. Um, and this will get released later as an episode, um, as like a numbered episode. But uh, oh, sorry, sometimes distracting these comments. Someone says my favorite rare cat breeder. Better than uh, break the cycle. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let me see. Also, there's super chats live now. So if you guys have questions. Uh, it's really hard for me not to, to fight the instinct to just like read all of these, but I mean, I mean, luckily it's a small stream, so even if I did that today, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. We have all these massive streams going on, um, but yeah, I got like I said, I got Jared today. We're gonna be talking hoppiness. Uh, I want to mostly focus on just like hoppa in general, and then I do kind of want to have a little bit of conversation how that intersects with uh, agorism and such. I think that'll be fun. Um, as always, I like money. Um, if you don't like money, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you, or I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. Uh, patreon.com so it's no way no way jose 2020 also make sure you go check out top lobster uh, top lobster.com is where you can get shit he's got my merch he's got plenty of other merch great shit uh yeah let's go ahead and bring in jared what's up dude hey jose thanks for having me on oh god i'm glad i didn't glitch out just so you guys know there's been a little bit of internet issues so if anything worse comes to worse this will like kind of maybe turn to a q a but hopefully we can we can make this work uh, but yeah, you want to go ahead and quickly introduce yourself? Oh yeah, real quick. Uh, I'm assuming you got the joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't plan that at all. I wasn't like, <laughs> let's get a hop in for the first one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so I'm Jared, um, at in democracy on Twitter. I am the founder of hopping.org. Um, you can follow hopping.org on at the hopping on there. And we're also on, all the other major social media platforms, but uh, yeah, that's who I am. Awesome. Uh, so just real quick, first question, um, how was it transitioning? <laughs> it was rough, man. Uh, you got to feed good... me. You got to give me some more of those pills. <laughs> Anyways, no, uh, Hoppians are renowned online for being into anime and being trannies for some weird ass reason. I don't, <laughs> I don't know even where that I've never, I swear to God, I've never met a fucking tranny Hoppian. like, like legitimately I've never fucking seen them. And it's everywhere. Like it's that. Borderline means, an oxymoron. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Like what the fuck? Like, like how in the hell does that even happen? I don't even understand. Like, uh, but anyway, yeah. As Jose said, I like money too. I got to put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of want to touch on current events. It'd be, we'd be remiss not to. Oh I mean, my god! Yeah, pretty fucking big. Uh, and I, I also wanted. To, I don't. I mean, I think you saw my tweet. I figured you'd probably get a kick out of it because. Uh, I mean, honestly, then it kind of gives me. I don't know if you want to real quick while I bring it up. You know, let everybody know what the fuck even happened if they're living under a rock. Yeah. So today, uh, Saki, the 
the mouthpiece for the Biden administration and Joe Biden um, have put out essentially what is a de facto uh, mandate for everyone to have a vaccine, uh, not only for government workers, of which only the Postal Service is somehow excluded from, mm-hmm. um, but every other, not only every other government worker, but also every government contractor. And then uh, I think Saki said that uh, they were going to talk later about having a mandate and then for the rest of us. And then not, then he came out with a statement saying, you know, if you're a, uh, I think he came out with that, didn't he? I didn't, ch- I didn't check. Did he actually say it? I honestly have not been following it too much. I'm not a huge current events guy, but I mean, I only saw the bits and pieces I saw of announcements on Twitter. So, so I know I mean, for yeah, yeah. So I know for a fact that she said that yes, they would be mandating it for everyone else. I don't know if Biden actually said that or not, but that's what she said. And all of these state reps, all of these uh, GOP um, state uh, organizations now are are calling for special sessions. Mm-hmm. I called for my local rep to call a special session because I got really red face pissed off because this is, I mean, we're here. I mean, in, in, in three months, we're going to have camps. I mean, we're at the brink right now. Right. I mean, because there's so many of us, not only just libertarians, but boomer cons and, you know, regular conservatives and even some neocons, which I'm really surprised that I saw are against this. And they're saying it's not going to happen and we're not going to do this because neocons are, they're leftists, right? Mm-hmm. So usually you would expect them to go right along with this. But there were a couple that I was surprised to see um, weren't on board with that. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it may be closer. It, it, chopper time may be closer than previously anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I was very uh, I, I was kind of shocked. Because like whenever I knew there was going to be this big announcement, I, I it, it brought to mind the big gun control shit a while back where mm-hmm. they just kind of did some shit around the edges which don't get me wrong like obviously any gun control i don't like but it's kind of like it was they made it out to be this big thing and it was kind of like oh yeah that's what it was and it I wasn't kind that of got big, this. Yeah. and even then this still like has in my head still didn't kind of get the hype that i feel like people were building up to but it was still pretty substantial um yeah, yeah. but i i think i'm very curious to see how this fo- the fallout is from this but I will say, I mean, most most people who follow me know that I'm a uh, prior active duty military. I like literally just got out in the past few months. Oh, and, did you really? I yeah, didn't know and, that. Yep. Um, yeah, I know. I, I had, I've been doing this podcast for, like nine months and like seven months of which I was active duty military. And I just like was doing it. I, I mean, my name's made up. I mean, if you guys can't tell, I'm clearly not Hispanic. Um, <laughs> so like for, for that reason, I uh, made up the name. Well, partly. I mean, it was also just it's nice to have a little bit of anonymity, as you can tell. (laughs) Um, But I am kind of having that firsthand knowledge, like for them to do it to like federal employees, like military seems like they could do it. Like, I mean, I mean, no one's really going to fight back against that because it's always going to be that argument of like, well, they signed up for it. They got to do what they got to do. I mean, there's there's truth to that. I mean, it is what it is. But then the big thing that kind of fucked my head was the federal contractors part because like, oh, yeah, being on a military base, um, fucking uh, being on a military base, like there people do everything. There's people who there's plumbers. There's fucking it's basically a little fucking town on the military base. So it's like. It, I don't even see how it's doable. Like we legit have like Mexicans mowing the lawn and shit. Like how the well, fuck not are only we that. enforce this? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's not only that, but think about all of the contractors that go out for independent government contracts, all the people that provide phones or phone service or um, equipment uh, like uh, LBVs and shit like that, or 
or uh, weapons manufacturers, Colt. You know, I mean, like these people are also a majority or half, at least half of America that he just did in one fell swoop. And now he's saying or his his mouthpiece is saying he's going to do the rest. I mean, like this is we're on the brink here of something really bad. And people I, I don't know what's going to happen because. Look, I'm, I mean, the last thing, the last thing I remember where the military was mobilized to enforce something mm -hmm. that was widespread was integration, right? Yeah. When they, where you see all those pictures online of the, you know, World War II soldiers coming in and, uh, you know, they've got M1 Garands pointed at uh, regular, you know, 1950s looking people, right? I mean, and they're, they're forcing them at bayonet point to to go away and we're going to integrate and this is the way it's going to be. And that I feel like it's, we're not far away from that. I feel like it's going to happen. Like if it continues down this path of acceleration, because we're on a, we're on an acceleration curve in my opinion. And if this latest jump was a big jump and all it's going to take is another month and we're going to see even worse shit. If this is allowed to go unchecked, the good thing that I've seen is like I said, a lot of, a lot of, uh, GOP uh, state organizations and even governors now, I think, or yeah, I think I saw two or three governors already come out and say, we're going to fight you. So hopefully they succeed because this is just absurd. Yeah. No, I, I do want to push back a little bit there though. Cause um, you, you kind of mentioned like the military and like you brought up the, uh, I forget the exact, uh, the, the college or whatever the fuck from like the fifties. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I'll think of it later. Cause it's like a famous event, but yeah, Are you talking uh, about Kent State? I'm not yeah. talking about Kent State. Oh, okay. I thought you were implying. No, no, no. That, I'm I'm yeah. talking about a uh, desegregation oh, okay. when they. Well, yeah, there were oh, a bunch okay. of. Yeah, yeah. But but what I'm getting at is like uh, I know I've heard a lot of talking points about how we'll have troops in the streets and like maybe you kind of might, but I don't see. And I I know I say this, but at the same time we had the lockdowns a while ago, and there was a little bit of that. I just I I don't I, I mean I guess maybe I'm being a little naive because that's happened already. I just gave you an example, but me coming from the military i kind of see that culture and I, I i was in for 11 years oh i know i know and, yeah a yeah. lot of my buddies have been in yeah. for a long time my dad was in my grandfather was in there's a lot of good guys in there yeah. straight up there really are and there are a lot of hardcore right-wingers in the military yeah. still i mean biden and obama did a pretty good job of clearing the brass out from what i know but um the you know your regular ground pounders your 11b guys that you know they're they're pretty pretty normal people i mean yeah. They're, they're not going to be ones to do that. But then again, if you're ordered to do something, you know, it's it's hard to say no. You know, that takes a lot of. Yeah, I mean, I say that, but at the same time, I just don't see the culture there right now. I, I will say me being in for 11 years, I when I first joined, like uh, I was a mechanic and it's a very similar culture from what I've been told to like the, the infantry and stuff because we're just. We're fucking grease monkeys. We're working with our hands. We're right. we're, we're kind of the the downtrodden. We're not like and I was in the Air Force, but w like that was not the chair force part of the Air Force. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, like I was actually like doing shit, but um, like I, just the culture, I just don't see it being there. I, I and and they've tried to change it. I'll give it that because I I my point being, I, I was in for eleven years when I first got in. Like there would be like you know dudes that have like you know nudie mags in their in their lo lockers, and there there'd be there would be like we had like donger the maintenance unicorn like stickers everywhere which was like a <laughs> unicorn where it was a literally a wiener for a horn like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the kind of it was dudes like it was yeah dudes, right dudes rock type aesthetic and fucking like it's they have changed that because like uh there was one dude i know got kicked out for uh having a having a draw drew a dick on a piece of paper and it was in the aircraft forms and he was going to take it out like when it was done 
and they like found it and they like kicked him out. And so they, there Holy was this shit. like there was this push. Uh, well, to be fair, they didn't kick him out. They pulled the pulled the stripe, and then it put him to where he was in a spot to where he was at what's called higher tenure to where mm-hmm. he couldn't reenlist. Um, so they basically sort of soft forced him out. Right. Um, but anyways, they, the culture did change, and there mm-hmm. that they had been trying to change it. I mean, there still is that like. Even when I left, there was still that like remnant of that. Right. But I don't think they are quite there. So, yeah. and, and they are clearly trying to orient things. Like uh, during the Obama administration, there was kind of a culture shift, is where, yeah. where it started. That, so, that's what I, that's what I remember. I remember a lot of guys being like, hey, like our, our commander got switched out. What the fuck? Like that doesn't happen. Right. I remember that. I remember specifically one of my friends saying that that happened and that there, there was some shit getting ready to go down. And like, I got a couple of calls late at night. And he's like, I can't tell you what the fuck is going on, but like be fucking ready. Like, fucking have your fucking shit loaded because if they do what we think think they're going to do like my like his immediate report was telling him to be fucking ready because that they aren't going to take it and you know all that kind of shit because there was a lot of from what from what I know which is disconnected I've never been in the military you know I don't want anybody to ever have that um that thought that I was ever in I was never in never served in the military um and nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not one of the guys that it's like, you're in the military, you're a baby killer, you know, like that, that's not me. Right. So I only like, killed a couple. Yeah. <laughs> and it was for fun. So yeah. Yeah. it was on, off, it was off duty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So like, I, I remember, I remember that shit going down and that that is one of the distinct things that stood out to me is like, if, if nothing comes of this, right, they've already won because they're already starting to shift the culture in that way. And now all they need is another one to come in because they've already done it once and they're going to keep pushing it. And yeah. I feel like that's probably persisted through the Biden administration. Yeah. No, Reed, uh, Reed Coverdale had some tweet today or some shit. It was something about like, I think it was about the Chipman thing. And it was like uh, he basically was implying they kind of wish he got put in because it would kind of. It's the whole idea of the boiling the frog or, or I like to say kicking a weasel. Yeah. Like it's a difference in the two. And. I don't know which side of the fence this is on. I have a hard time believing all of this is going to stand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. To some extent, like I get where it's like the culture shift, but I, I don't. I just have a hard time believing that it's there, or or even that it's enforceable. So yeah. like that was kind of what I was getting with. Like yes, maybe the military. So I could see like them rolling back this shit. But that's kind of what they do. They kind of like uh, you know they make a big step and then they get slapped back and then they end up taking a little step. So right. this will probably, I mean, in my opinion, if I had to guess, they'll probably just likely just end up with the military being, you know, obligated to do so. And then maybe some other little fringe things here and there. But I just, I just, I don't even see how you could even possibly enforce even just simply on the military base itself, the contractors, yeah. which is yeah. insane. Yeah. But, and a lot of times though, like it, it isn't so much that it's enforceable. It's just the fact that it's the rule. Right. Mm. So it gives people an excuse too, right? Like, Hey, I've got this, you know, Colonel who's uh kind of right wing and he's never going to take this vaccine. Uh, that gives me a perfect excuse to kick him out now. Right. Like he yeah. violated direct orders. So now he's done. Right. So th- there's that kind of thing. But also I would say I'd push back a little bit on you and I'd say, I never thought six months ago that there would literally be people in camps in Australia. Like I never would have thought that would have fucking happened. And then some, I'm sure some people are thinking, well, you know, look what happened with the, the gun control stuff in Australia in 97. So maybe they were already on that path. 
But, you know, there you can get into some details and things there around different cultures, not only different cultures, but also the 90s was kind of weird, even the United States, right? Like we had the 94 assault weapons ban. The whole world was kind of moving that way, right? So uh, it, it wasn't until recently, in my opinion, in the past, you know, 10, 15 years that we really started pushback in the gun control space, right? Like mm -hmm. because we were losing, we were losing bad at every fucking step. And thank God for, you know, like, the uh the the uh the the lobbyist pro-gun lobbyist groups because they've done some really damn good work and holy yeah. shit i wish we had an anti-covid uh lobbyist group now you know like this mm -hmm. they would really help but you know who knows i mean it's hard to say and I, i'll give you that i have no idea it could go either way and yeah, it, it's know. it's really hard to say yeah uh while we're on that point i i figure i'll go ahead and read the tweet because it kind of applies to your point here I said, uh, hey, at uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, show us you're as willing to stand up to a tyrannical government as you are to infringe on private businesses. Extend your vaccine status disclosure executive order to those factions of the federal government within Florida. I think he won't prove me wrong. I was obviously nagging him. But like, yeah, he needs to do that, though. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. got to do that. I mean, I, I think all of these I think. I think and I hope a lot of special sessions will be called and a lot of um, nullification legislation is going to get passed. And I hope it happens because that will set a precedent that's really good for us. Yeah, no, I mean, I would, I would love because, I mean, if we can get people to neg him to be like, hey, you did this too, you know, because I mean, don't get me wrong. I with his executive order and a lot of people are upset about it. I mean, I don't don't get me wrong. It was it definitely it's not cool that he did infringe on, on private businesses or some because I'm very much of the, uh, the opinion that some things don't necessarily qualify as private businesses that people think do. So I don't disagree with that entirely. Yeah. Um, so, I think that there are yeah. definitely uh, entities and organizations that claim private status that don't necessarily should that shouldn't necessarily get to claim that private yeah. status anymore. But, but they don't have this clear delineation. And so that's the issue when they're writing legislation. So like that's why these people got caught up in it. And so to me, it's kind of like, OK, well, you had this thing that fucking infringed against uh, like actual private because it just does. It's just going to affect mom and pa places if some yeah. fucking mom and pa retard is like uh, wants to do this, which I mean, to some extent, kind of like, well, fuck that guy. But you know what? Yeah. I mean, we're, we got to be somewhat principled and be like, yeah, well, that's a private, that's a property. Right. But you know what? Why, you know, why, cut, you know? why, why can't people understand that? You know, it really bothers me that libertarians aren't like, they don't live in reality. Like, you know, like they, like they try and live in Capistan in their head. You can be realistic and also principled, right? Like you can hold a set of principles and say, this is the goal. This is where we're going, but how we get there, who the fuck cares? Like, this is fucking real. Like, this is real. These are people's lives. Like, let's make it fucking happen. However we can fucking make it happen. And I, I'm leaning more towards, I, I'm not a consequentialist in philosophy. I'm not, I'm very much, I'm very much an ideologue. Um, that being said in, strategy i would definitely say that i'm leaning more and more towards whatever it takes and you know there's a myriad of ways you can justify certain actions especially in under libertarian principles because we don't we're not anti-violence we're anti-aggression and the state itself is violence so as long as i'm living under it <laughs> you know there's there can be some justification there so yeah I mean, to be to touch on like Hoppe or something, I think if Hoppe was to write this legislation, he probably would have like somehow included something that if you get any sort of state, you know, subsidies or anything whatsoever, 
then you know what? This applies to you. Yeah. So because oh, yeah. like, and that would honestly, I know a lot of people get upset with the private bi- business aspect of it, but honestly, that would probably cover like ninety nine percent of them because even the small little ma and pa is probably in some way benefiting to some extent from the fucking government. Yeah, it's crazy. You know I mean, I mean it, the state has got its hands and everything, and that's why everything's corrupt, and that's why the market's kind of fucked up. I mean, yep. like, I think libertarians a lot of times don't realize how absolutely different the world would look in a real free market without the state. I mean, it would look very different. I mean, we, I'm not saying that a lot of our institutions and things like that wouldn't exist. I'm, I'm saying that the way things work right now and the cultural results and things like that, that would occur in the absence of the state, it's going to make the world, I mean, it would make the world look totally different. Yeah. I want to hit up some of these super chats real quick before they get too piled up. Uh, Toad, before he even started, said Jose isn't really an agorist because he ain't fat, only his PP is. Yeah, it's a joke <laughs> that I have a, a, I have a fat dick because they think because they look at me and they assume my dick is probably of a similar build to me. So, to- Toad's um, Toad's picture in that looks like yeah. he's trying to get a shot, like get a picture of it or something. Look at him, he's like, yeah, give me that picture. <laughs> Let's see what else we got. All right, twenty bucks is twenty bucks. All right, Daniel, I totally intended on like wearing a bra under this because I. I, there was like a joke. I made a joke on Twitter about that, like I'll do anything for money, kind of joking. And he was like, uh, "Would you wear a bra for twenty bucks on on live stream?" And I was like, "Sure," but then I totally forgot about it, and I'm not prepared. I'm not gonna like stop, go grab a bra from my wife's fucking shit and throw it on. I mean, also, it's like I don't even really care. I don't give a shit. Like, what? I gotta be shirtless for like whatever. Like, Start an OnlyFans. Like, I don't. Give a shit. Yeah, I'll, for the next one for you, Daniel, the next live stream, I will fucking wear it. Just remind me, and I will wear it. And I appreciate the twenty bucks. I will wear a bra. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. I gotta show off my pecs for me. I don't give a fuck. Um, do do do. What else we got? We got. Uh, what's up, Jose and Jared uh, from Marshall? Hey, what's up, dude? What's up, dude? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, see comment below if it's a good question. As bad as this is, could this vaccine mandate be seen as a white pill in a way? Acceleration. That's kind of what I was implying a little bit, that there, yeah. there might be some of that. Yeah. I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, if um, if this causes, you know, for what we were talking about, you know, the military to be activated and start enforcing this. Yeah, it's going to accelerate. However, um, you're going to see, this is why I get really kind of sideways about the, about the collapsitarians because a a collapse is going to be horrifying. People really don't understand how bad it can get. Americans, especially in a lot of the, the West are very, they're very, uh, they're soft and they don't understand just how absolutely terrible things can get and how quickly things will devolve. People aren't going to care about libertarian principles when their kids are starving. They're going to kill your ass. They don't care. Right. I mean, and, and that's, that's the bad side of that. You know, yeah. it's got to be a controlled descent, not a free yeah. fall. I mean, I would say a lot of people accuse me of being an accelerationist, but I'm actually, I understand that the route that I would like people to pursue will, to some extent, destabilize things, but in other aspects, it will open up windows. Right. So it's like, I, I, I'm telling you, hey, shit's going bad, and I'm saying, let's go do shit that will make your life better. But I understand that, you know, like, I don't know if you've looked into archotropism, but it's, it's going to cause, you know, uh, a concentration of power elsewhere. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure it will. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, Right, and it's true when you have all the classes, you believe a power vacuum 
All right, you're cutting it. You're cutting it out, bud. I'm gonna I'm gonna read some more of these super chats and see if it gives you a second to. All right, I got to bounce, but uh, but we'll watch later. Jose, you're my favorite Hispanic. Keep up the good work. This is from Daniel Three. Yeah, guys, go fo- follow his podcast, Daniel Three Biblical Anarchy. Uh, he's good stuff. Uh, if you're into all that, like you know, Sky Daddy stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but for real though, I mean, it's good stuff. I I, I joke all the time that uh, the, well, I, I say all the time that there's a lot of utility in religion. I think there's something to be said there. I may be an atheist, but I see utility in it for sure. Uh, yeah, and that's all we got. Hey, you want to talk for me? See if your shit's doing better. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you now. It's all fit. Cool. Yeah. All so right. what what was I talking about? I'm retarded. We were talking about uh, accelerationism, and then I, I mean, I was obviously implying agorism, and I would even say or Hoppian's tactics kind of too would do similar things. Yeah, um, I, I think gonna, you're opening up uh, avenues of yourself for success, but obviously you're kind of leaving the fucking retards who don't want to jump on in the dust to some extent. Yeah, I, I think that my my plan would be, you know, the same as Hoppus is like if if we're gonna get to that point, let's have the structures in place so that at least the local level or you know even the state level to support getting to our goal when shit does go wrong, right? Because eventually the state will collapse, right? The natural order will reassert itself in some way. So we we need to have a plan in place. And I think that is really where we should be focusing is getting that plan in place for when it does happen. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I we'll get into it later, but I really think that, I mean, maybe especially when you see my perspective on aggregates, it might be a little bit different than others. I think we are perfect natural allies uh, and we're very much a lot of saying a lot of the same things, but with slightly different aspects to it. But uh, let's do a little bit of fucking uh, 101 shit just for, cause I know a lot of people probably, Hoppa is one of those ones I feel like uh, maybe people like me and you just kind of assume people know more of, but they probably don't, um, yeah. you know, because we're a little bit more read, well-read. Not that I'm that well-read. I'll be honest. I haven't read a ton of Hoppa. I've read Democracy of the God That Failed, and I want to say I like, listened to like one or two other audiobooks that were like uh, – I wish I could remember. I think it was the uh, Socialism, uh, Capitalism one he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably know which one I'm talking about. Theory of Socialism, yeah. Capitalism. Yeah. yeah, and there was some other one. It was like a smaller one I listened to once, and I definitely enjoy I think he had some other one where he kind of went to like the history of like uh, like how like a lot of like uh, statism and like uh, uh, – Short history of man. Yeah, yep, yep, that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I've, so that's kind of what I've done, but I've, like, so I've never really done a deep dive on Hoppa, which is – I think Hoppe has a lot to offer, but there's something – I was talking to someone the other day. I wish I could remember who. And we were kind of talking about when – oh, it's a Buck, Buck Rebel. Oh, uh, yeah. I love fucking, Buck. He's a yeah, good Yeah, I love dude. Buck. He's awesome. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, yeah, guys, if you're listening, go subscribe. I don't know why the fuck he's not at 1,000 subs. You need to get him there. Um, get him fucking monetized in there. Although I know he's monetized elsewhere. I guess he said he just kind of, like, didn't really pay attention to his YouTube. But, anyways, um, we were talking about, uh, like, how when it comes to, like, Hoppe and stuff. And like, or a lot of thinkers in general, like Hoppe, Rothbard, Mises, like sometimes I feel like uh, if you are someone who's well-read in like one of them, like say for me, like I'm a little bit more well-read in Rothbard, even though I'm not like super well-read in Rothbard. So for me, that kind of, while it may not be true, to some extent, I'm like, I kind of don't really need to read Mises now because Rothbard kind of is a filter of Mises through his lens and then he obviously has some different thoughts in them and stuff but he kind of is filtering uh Mises' thoughts through his own and and to some extent Hop is doing the same but I know he has different stuff as well so yeah. um so I can see that yeah so there's a fault in that too where it's like you kind of like you're like oh well I read Rothbard I kind of don't need to read Hop I kind of need Mises and that's not true but it's kind of like you're like I already read that so for me then I'm like well I'm gonna go down different trails because I've kind of already covered that there's so much shit to read in libertarian thing there is so anyone out there if don't ever get condescending about whether someone's read something or not 
Because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you read Konkin? I, I have. I've read. Okay. Uh, I've read NLM. Um, yeah. I haven't read. I've read some other articles and stuff that he posted. That I like, think there's some stuff on Agris Nexus or something like that. I read a couple of those, but you should read Agris Primer. I actually like Agris Primer better. But yeah, have uh, I read that? I may have read that. It's been a while if I read it. He's a super small body of work. You literally could knock it out in a weekend. Anyone. But anyways, my point being is like even the smartest of people isn't hasn't read everything because there's so much goddamn right. shit to read. So you know most people kind of pick a lane. So. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, my point I'm getting at is for you, who is Hoppe? Like, and so we're going to do 101 for the people out there. Yeah. So Hans Hermann Hoppe obviously, uh, was Murray Rothbard's protege. Um, he developed argumentation ethics. Argumentation ethics to me is one of the most astounding leaps forward or leaps forward in philosophy in the last two or 300 years. It, uh, it, it, it totally demolished Hume's guillotine, uh, made irrelevant, uh, in my opinion, the is ought gap, which if you're, if you're familiar with philosophy, it's, it's one of the things that s- stumped libertarians for, uh, a hundred years. I mean, we, we didn't know how to get past the classic natural rights theory, you know, like, and then Hoppe just comes along one day and he's like, oh yeah, I, you know, knock that out in three pages. No big deal. And then like, how, how, how in the hell do you not win it? Like a fucking Nobel prize for that. I mean, like it, it's absolutely brilliant and he doesn't get enough recognition. Yeah, we'll, for it. we'll cover that for sure. I do want to cover that because I will admit I haven't taken a deep dive in argumentation ethics. I know I listened to the episode on Tower Power you did the other day and they were talking about how we had a conversation on it. And I want to be clear to anyone out there and you that I was coming from a place of I'm not super well read on it, but this is my impression. And I'm so like, I was like, we were kind of like just talking it out. It was one of those like autism moments between homies. Yeah, we like, yeah. like we were trying to figure it out amongst ourselves kind of deal. So <laughs> like it wasn't at all like I was taking an opinionated route at all. I was just like, I, I, these are my impressions. For me, it always struck me as like you said, as a, an attempt at bridging the is-ought divide. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, someone, one of them, it was like, no, that's not what it is. Uh, and so I don't know. We'll get into that. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you, you can go ahead. Just let you know, don't you don't have to go too deep into that yet, because that's a whole other fucking. Can oh, it's a whole discussion, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we I, won't go deep into it. I'm gonna try my best to not push back, because for me, it's just like uh, the bits I've heard, it just still doesn't add up. And, add up, yeah, and, yeah, and it know. can, and it can. I mean, it can yeah. get confusing. Um, uh, they're plenty of very well-read people yeah. and who people who deeply understand argumentation ethics that still have questions that I'm sure they need to pose to, to professor Hoppe. But, um, uh, yeah. So professor Hoppe developed that. Um, he also wrote obviously democracy, the God that failed, which to me is one of the, uh, preeminent rejections of the entire modern state. Um, not only the modern state, but a lot of people's modern conception of the modern state. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you talk to your average person, they're going to be like, well, democracy is a good thing. Well, Hoppe systematically proves that it's not a good thing. And in fact, it's the direct degeneration of any type of order. It is the opposite of order. It is the rejection of the natural order. And he does that. He explains why there is a, um, a, a tendency towards centralization. And then as a result, there's also this degeneration of the types of, uh, what, what would you call it? The types of states. So you can get into this and talk about, you know, from you know monarchy, um, and then you have what you would call kind of a feudal king or the feudal era, and that degenerates into 
an absolute king and then from an absolute king to a constitutional king and from constitutional kings to Republican forms of government and from Republican forms of government to democracies and then eventually from democracies to uh, and the absolute destruction of any of that. And uh, eventually I think you'll see that here. We've already, um, America has very much fled from the path of Republicanism is now delving very deeply into a form of democracy. And, you know, you can easily make the case that Republicanism is a form of democracy as well, but it doesn't really make any difference. Democracy with more steps. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a more confusing democracy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and in some ways that was kind of like, that was the kind of like the founders thing, right? Like democracy is terrible. You know what we can do? Well, I had all these steps to make it really terrible and then people won't use it. Well, they found, ways around that you know the, the state always does and always will but yeah i mean professor hoppa also talks about several other things um i think uh one of his books that people don't read a lot of is the economics and ethics of private property um please for the love of god go read that book guys if you haven't read it go read that book it's awesome it'll really give you an appreciation for private property that uh maybe no other libertarian philosopher is really given anyone else. And then uh, a short book that I always recommend people to read. I human reckon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have human action. I've read it, but Jesus. Uh, um, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, short history, man, we were just talking about that. Um, if you really want to understand why um, the division of labor is so important and why it's so beautiful and why um, the division of labor brought us out of absolute darkness, how it brought us out of being animals, essentially. Um, that That is it. I mean, you're, you're going to learn very quickly that the, the inequality and how we escaped um, – how we escape the Malthusian trap through separation, why separation is so important, and how the division of labor and private property came to be. Um, you really, God, I mean, if you want to understand libertarianism, I mean, especially from a kind of an evolutionary standpoint, go read Short History of Man. Yeah, um, I would also, not to throw you off, uh, if you're if you're into that kind of thing and looking at it from a historical perspective, pair it with, uh, with um, uh, Against the Grain by James C. Scott, which I don't know if you've read that. That's a great book. Um, he kind of goes into the history of states and how they were formed and like in relation to anarchy and stuff and how uh, history doesn't necessarily tell the story of anarchists. And uh, it really they pair well, like they paired so well. I think I read them around the same time. I have a hard time differentiating between the two and they kind of like complement each other. Well, that's awesome. So, I haven't read that. I may have to yeah. check it out. No, it's great. Uh, it's it's very, apparently I, I want to say he, he identifies himself as like a left anarchist, but you kind of really can't tell. tell. It's really cool how he kind of uh, really the biggest thesis he gets out of that is how the states were formed around the advent of agriculture. And oh, yeah. how and oh, yeah. Should, yeah. And I, well, I'm pretty sure Hoppe goes into that as well. I, I would say that the I wouldn't say that the state formed around the advent of uh, agriculture. I would say more private property. Uh, formed around the advent of agriculture. I mean, because like if you if you think about it from just a very basic perspective, is you know if you're if you're a caveman or what have you, if you're a if you're a very early human, right? What's the first form of proper pro private property? How do you homestead? Well, probably from picking berries and bringing some water to the plant or moving that plant somewhere else, and you know doing things like that where you're you're starting to branch out, not from uh, not from owning little pieces of things that you found or that you made, but into, uh, into agriculture and developing things and keeping them going and, you know, things like that. But anyway, yeah, go read that book. I mean, yeah. uh, ho holy crap. Short history, man's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But yeah, um, on the against the grain thing though, it, it, the point I was getting as it also goes into like how 
uh, well, I mean, whether you want to say around uh, agriculture or, or private property, it was to some extent, it was like a centralization of humankind. And then it formed around it, whether you want to say it was uh, the, the, whether it was agriculture or that, but agriculture kind of bore out more of a reason to have private property. Not that you didn't have it before. Right. right but right. yeah. And it, it's kind of cool. He kind of talks about how uh, history tells the story of them and you kind of have this skewed idea, like even just like thinking about barbarians like the, what thoughts that brings up to your mind and those were the kind of words they were using for the people who lived on the outskirts of the state who you know were more the ones still the hunter gatherers and stuff and he actually shows through historical means that they actually did way better than the fucking people who were living in the states like you look at the, their 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 bones and shit and they were healthier they were living better lives it's just that we get told the tale of like look at these you know, look at these people. Well, you know, the the, the false tale of false progress. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, that that's a pretty good, concise description of Hoppe. Um, I, I really like if you want to get into Hoppe and there's if I could only recommend one book, if you wanted to, if you're already a libertarian, you understand some basic libertarian principles, go read Getting Libertarianism Right. That will really tell you how Hoppe diverges from a lot of other libertarians mm -hmm. and that'll really tell you what Hoppe is. Now that isn't going to tell you everything about Hoppe. It's not going to tell you uh, all of his brilliant contributions and things like that, but it will give you a good basis, a good direction of, of where he is and what, why he's going that direction. Yeah. I mean, that would be a good segue, but I do want to back up uh, for my next point. Um, I wanted to touch on real quick. Uh, this isn't even, I guess not even touch on. I just wanted to provide an anecdote that with his, his like the whole democracy monarchy concept with uh, Hoppe, that is an amazing way, a fucking beautiful way of picking out the fucking, like, the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just like, I used to, like, all the time, especially when I first started my account, I would just, for fun, like, I would I would throw out shit like, uh, like you know, the, like, uh, anarchy is greater than monarchy, which is greater than democracy or whatever. Yep. People would just, there'd be so much re. It was just beautiful. Oh, and I know. Like, I love it. And, and, like, now, I mean, back then, I wasn't, like, so block heavy. But now, like, say if I was to do that again, for me, I would just be like, okay. Go ahead and show your face. And uh, all right, block, block, block. Yeah. <laughs> I love, man. I, 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 uh, I, you know, on Twitter after the whole thing with uh, me originally getting doxxed and then uh, going dark for a while and then getting banned and all of that. I, I don't deal with it anymore. Why? Why? Why would I deal with bullshit anymore? Like I'm not trying to convince these people that are they're not anywhere near me. I, I'm never going to do it. So why? Why do any even entertain them? Like to me, that's a total waste of my time. It's an inefficient use of resources. So yeah. that's why I, I'm extremely block heavy now. Like you, you start shit with me, or you know, you you don't want to argue honestly. Bye. Like I don't. You get out of my covenant community. You know it's what I mean? Not in my covenant community. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, talked on Tower Power the other day, and I, I brought up that, like, when it comes to influencing people, you shouldn't be an asshole. But what the other side of that, though, is, but are you trying to influence people? Right. And when it comes to, like, something like Twitter, or just really, I think, in general, I think the better move, in, in, there are certain people you should be trying to influence, and there are other people, there are other times, like, I prefer identifying the in-group and uh, excommunicating the out-group. Right. Me so, too. I yeah. think that I think it's a great way to do things. And I think that libertarians especially need to learn how to gatekeep. I think that there's 
Um, a serious problem. I hate mentioning this because I'm never going to finish it, but I'm writing a book. One of the chapters in the book is about subversion because the right has a very, very hard and bad problem with subversives. Um, if you look at the old right, Murray Rothbard became a libertarian because of the subversives on the right. He said, you know, look at these neocons that are coming into to the old right. Why, why the hell would I associate with the GOP or the Republicans anymore? They're all a bunch of fucking communists. Like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go do my own thing. And, and, and that's persisted. It, it's not only happened in the GOP. It's happened in the Libertarian Party. It's happened everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I do want to, I mean, I said earlier there was a good segue. I missed the opportunity for a good segue. So segue, um, fucking, um, how do you feel like uh, Hoppe differs from Rothbard? Because, uh, you know, Hoppe kind of followed Rothbard to some extent. So Yeah, so um, I would say Hoppe and Rothbard diverge very little um, in, in practical sense. Um, they, I, I very much view Hoppe as the evolution of Rothbard. I don't, I don't necessarily view them at odds on anything. And I think, I think even Murray Rothbard, if he were alive, would agree with that. I mean, called Hoppe brilliant. Uh, there was very little, I think, that they ever disagreed on. In fact, Rothbard said that Hoppe had proven him wrong. He proved that his um, the the pretense of the natural rights theory that that Rothbard had used to develop. Um, a lot of libertarianism was an incorrect starting point. And Hoppe did that through argumentation ethics. And, and Rothbard praised him repeatedly for that. And I think that um, Hoppe and Rothbard were probably traveling along the same path at one point, And Hoppe just kept it going. And I think if Murray Rothbard were still alive, he'd very much look like Hoppe today. And people would probably hate Murray Rothbard. A lot of people that like to lean on Murray Rothbard would probably hate him. And that's sad. I mean, like, if you, if you can't do, like, I'm not saying that you have to follow Rothbard and, and Rothbard is, you know, he's, he's the libertarian God and all of that. You know, I, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that if you're going to call yourself a Rothbardian, come to come to deal with the, these kind of realities. Right. And, mm -hmm. and if you look at the evolution of his theory and where it was going, I, I really don't see how anyone can argue that Hoppe isn't his, uh, it, the person that carried on everything Murray was doing. Yeah. Uh, Marshall said it's hop and evolution of Mises as well. Personally, I would say uh, fucking Mises was fucking Squirtle. Uh, Rothbard was War Turtle and fucking uh, in, in uh, fucking Hoppe was Blastoise, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that very much so that uh, that Hoppe was the continuation of Mises, just like as Rothbard was. I mean, uh, Mises had criticisms of Rothbard for sure. I mean, uh, one of the biggest criticisms that Mises had that I can remember was when um, he said Rothbard had basically lost his mind when he was uh, dealing with the left and kind of Mises was right. And, and Rothbard looked back on that time and he was like, yeah, I was kind of retarded. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, the evolution of a human being isn't perfect, right? We all make mistakes in, in our thought processes and we all evolve and we all make changes. I mean, for God's sakes, I was a neocon back in the day. I mean, uh, you know, if I, if I met myself back then, I mean, it would be child abuse, but I, I would beat the shit out of myself. Like how idiotic, like those people are the, my worst enemies I could ever imagine. And now I'm uh, like a totally different person. And I think that views and people evolve. And I think it's important to realize that. I think it's important to remember that when we're reading things. Yeah, no, I do, do want to kind of touch on some of what you were just saying there with, uh, you know, Rothbard and how he evolved throughout his life. And, you know, we touched on yesterday in Terror Gang and like critics of like uh, or critiquing like tactics going on currently 
And it's like no one learned their lesson. Like everyone likes right. to point at Rothbard and pick and choose what they thought was nice. But it's like he went through an evolution. There's a reason why. Exactly. Like, like he towards the end was like, what the fuck did I do? I right. really feel like if Rothbard was alive now, he'd be like, some of the shit I did early early on was like the worst thing ever. Like I honestly think the worst thing he ever did was start the Libertarian Party. I, I agree. And I think he would agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. his, his initial uh, attempt to fuse um, the left and right kind of more liberty oriented people that that blew up it was a fucking disaster i mean the sds and yaf fiasco if you ever read about that i think david gordon wrote about that if you ever read that oh my god what a nightmare of events that happened and then rothbard uh kind of learned his lesson and he was like all right well we're gonna go and try politics now we'll create the lp right and then he was involved in that and then what the hell happened there you had a subversive problem there the same exact fucking thing happened it devolved and went to total shit and then he was like all right well you know there are egalitarians and and hardcore leftists in here i'm done with this you know i'm 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 out like I'm not going to deal with this. And then I think it was five years later, he ended up writing about it. And he was like, I've never been happier that I left the libertarian party. And now people are like trying to go back and redo it again. I'm like, you're not learning your lesson, learn your lesson. Rothbard learn the lesson for you. Let's move on and try and find a better way. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to harp on it again. I could go on for that forever. And it's just, it's just so frustrating because, but anyways, I want to highlight this super chat and have you give your thoughts on it because I don't really have much to add. I'm not really good with history, and obviously this is more up your alley. So, I, I just got I, done reading All Quiet in the Western Front because of Jeff Dice. By the way, Jeff Dice is the absolute fucking man. I don't think yeah. I've ever heard a talk of his that I didn't glean some new knowledge from. I totally um, agree. I'm just curious what are Hop's, Hoppe's thoughts on the monarchies and how it could lead to all-out war like the First World War. I think he's implying kind of like that the monarchies were a cause in some sense. Which so so my opinion on this is that it, it really wasn't uh, the traditional old school kind of feudal monarchies that, that caused this. It wasn't even the absolute Kings. It was very much constitutional Kings that caused this. And it was the degeneration of the older way of doing things that caused this. It was the, it was the um, progress towards democracy itself that caused a lot of these problems. I, I, I totally would disagree with anyone that said it was, if it was the monarchies of the past that caused all of these conflicts and wars, it was very much the advent of legislation and conflict because of that. Um, that Hoppe talks about this in, in democracy a little bit and then, um, or, or a lot, he talks about it in democracy a lot, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really don't see how um, it, it, you could blame this on going that direction. If you, if that is, if you take into account Hoppe's view that the generation from a more feudal society to a more democratic society is the progress in which things move, I do obviously. So there's no way that I could say you know the World War One was the advent and the problems of monarchy it was the degeneration of monarchy that really caused those. Yeah. Uh, real quick, so one of the homies in my group chat's bitching that I didn't address this, but you know what? This would have thrown off the entire vibe, but fuck it, I'll do it now because you're bitching. You give me five bucks or whatever the fuck that money is. Uh, Jose, what kind of aggress doesn't have an alternative super chats? You need to be unboomered. I don't fucking know, dude. I mean, whenever I get booted off YouTube, I'll figure something out. So I'm on, I'm on Odyssey. So anyone that wants to go follow me on Odyssey, go do that. I have no idea what their monetization is. Whatever. I'll figure it out when it's in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, now let's fucking let's get into argumentation ethics. And once again, I'm going to try my best to not push back because, I mean, I I, I did go more the uh, – I was big into, like, looking to, like, theism, atheism back in the day. So I am kind of familiar with some of these, like, philosophical questions because they do apply there as well. And so I do have 
concerns, but I also don't know enough to really argue too much. But I'll try to give you a little pushback in there. But I, I really don't want to do an hour on this because I feel like we could. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I can I can just <laughs> ramble, and then it, when I'm done, when uh when you feel I've gone too long, just stop me, okay? Uh, yeah. So first off, obviously, what the fuck is argumentation ethics? Yeah. So argumentation ethics, in my opinion, is logical proof of self ownership. If if I was having to define it in one sentence, that's what it is. It's a logical proof of self ownership. Um, and the the way that it does that is it says that um, well. Let me preface this by saying I'm not an expert on argumentation ethics. Uh, I'll do my best, and hopefully, uh, some other Hoppian guys that are maybe better at this than I am don't don't flay me. Um, but uh, I'll I'll do the best I can. So, first, we have to start with uh, the primary criticism of the natural rights theory, and that criticism is that it is too ambiguous, and human nature being too diverse, it's a uh, it's hard to, to pin down a determinate set of laws, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like how are you going to come up with a determinate set of laws from something so vague, right? So mm -hmm. that that's the primary criticism. Uh, Rothbard did a very good job, I think, of defending the natural rights theory, but I don't think he was as convincing as he right. could have been, or and definitely not as convincing as argumentation. Yeah. It always struck me odd to try to make that an objective thing when it's so vague. It that's, is. It this is. is why, not to go too far. This is why I like to undergird my beliefs in a in an egoism thing. Cause it's like, I can, it's easily to be like, well, I like natural rights because I feel like that's a mode of living that if we, uh, if we abide by provides peace. So like, yeah. and, so I prefer that. So, yeah. And that's and, kind of, for me, solves the issue of the natural rights dilemma. Cause a lot of people are like, this is objective. I'm like, I mean, yeah, I know we're about to get into it with uh, argumentation ethics, but maybe, I mean, I, so I'm kind of apathetic on that right now but that aside i don't see how you can uh fucking make a claim that this is objective it doesn't make sense to me but now yeah. this might change my mind here so 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 yeah so um i, I don't i don't fully buy the criticism that it's super ambiguous um i definitely agree that it is ambiguous but not like uh, a lot of people will be like okay well this is so ambiguous i could justify anything and that's clearly not true. I, I, I don't think that yeah, that's I, right, but I, I do think it is ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think it's ambiguous enough to be able to be like, this is not objective. This is subjective. I agree. I yeah. agree. I think we, yeah, we're totally agree there. Yeah. So, um, so looking at this, Hoppe looked for a, uh, a common starting point and uh, discourse or argumentation seemed like a kind of a natural place to begin because that's where, uh, human beings start, right? Like he's, he's talking about this, you know, like we're, we're discussing this. That's why not start there? Let's break it down to our most basic level. We're talking about it. Right. So, um, Hoppe studied under a guy called Habermas. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Habermas, but he's kind of a leftist. Actually, he's a, a hardcore leftist. Um, he's a very influential philosopher among the left. Um, even today, he's extremely popular. Um, but he was actually Hoppe's PhD professor. Um, Habermas uh, worked on something called discourse ethics. Discourse, discourse ethics essentially proposes any truth claim, um, like if you, um, any, anything you would claim as a truth, that claim is then connected with any proposition that is in fact true. So if you do that, then it must be raised and, um, like you can't, you can't bring up a, a truth claim without actually saying it. Right. So you have to say that. And then in order to, uh, prove or disprove the truth claim, you have to settle that in the course of argumentation. 
right? Yeah. So I feel anything like I could already get some objections here, but we would be getting way too esoteric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but go ahead. So so basically, if if you're asserting something, then that assertion as a as a function of reality will require some kind of discussion to to prove whether it's true or not. So that's discourse ethics, right? Mm. So um, basically, there are norms that have been adhered to or accepted for argumentation to even begin, right? So for 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 an argument to start, you have to have some kind of uh, uh, preconceived notions, and and um, there has to be something that exists and happens, right? So um, let me think about how where to go from here. So. <laughs> So let me ask you, what is their agreement on in any argument, right? So what what is their agreement on in any argument? And I think the only thing that you can agree on in any argument is that there's a disagreement, right? It's like if you're if you're engaged in an argument, there has to be a disagreement because then it's not an argument, you're just talking. Um, that's presupposed what an argument is. So at least in some way, there is disagreement about the topic. And as such, there's uh, an implicit acceptance that this person you're speaking to is making an opposing argument. And as such, in making an argument, you accept it is coming from them and that they exist. And as such, uh, are making the argument and thus their own speech and thus themselves, right? So. Um, you're talking and you're talking, you know, you're, you're, unless you're a schizophrenic, right? Like that, that person exists and you or accept you, that they exist. Or you're or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so within that, so the, the great thing about this to me, uh, is what is in essence, a lot, like we were saying before, it's a logical proof is that it is impossible to deny this, right? Like if we're talking and we're in an argument, we both agree that there's an argument that, you know, you have to exist because I'm arguing with you. Otherwise it's a performative contradiction, right? Like it's like saying I'm dead. Like the statement I'm dead is a performative contradiction. It, it totally, um, it, it can't happen. It can't work, right? It's not logical because it fails the law of non-contradiction. I would, uh, I would say though that like this already too is like kind of jumping the shark and it, although it's a silly fucking thing, like so I mentioned solipsism, like if you're a solipsist, you could be like, I don't know if any of this is real, and you could be believing you're basically in a in a, a brain in the vat, but whatever you're playing along with this little video game that's life. So I know this is retarded, but there's already like, a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, no, I get that. Philosophy can be is fucking can get ridiculous because you do get into when you get too deep into philosophy, you get into really weird territories. <laughs> right? Yeah, like like the the simulation theory or, yeah. or what have you. Right? That's basically but, what solipsism is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, if you if you're you're in simulation theory, however, I would say if you're in simulation theory, right, and you you believe that, then why are you speaking to anybody? Is it just entertainment? And then at that point, you're not really arguing, right? Mm. Because there's no one to argue with. Right. You're assuming that this is an argument, but yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go back and forth on this and talk forever. Right. So, (laughs) um, I I, personally, I think, um, you know, the great thing about this is that it's a logical proof and that it's essentially impossible to deny that claim Mm -hmm. and that, uh, to deny the claim that you exist would implicitly be admitting that it's a truth because then, you know, if you're, if you're saying, Hey, there's no argument, you're making an argument. 
right? Like you can't deny there's an argument without making an argument. So well, some things are, and some things are, you can't have a thing that is, therefore it would, it would not be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, I think it's brilliant. Probably uh, the largest leap forward, like I was saying, in libertarian ethics, maybe ever. Um, it broke through Rothbard. Couldn't he admitted that? Rothbard hailed it as a as, as a brilliant step forward. Um, I, I think when you you see a lot of internet hoppians or you know internet libertarians who use um, uh, logic all the time, and I think that um, logic is a, a great place to start when you're talking about argumentation ethics. And if you, if you really understand how to utilize logic and the law of non-contradiction, um, you, you immediately become a much better uh, student of philosophy, in my opinion. Yeah. So I like to use it for funny tweets because it, it does make like, you can kind of create the circular argument. And I know it's technically not a circular argument, but you can make it like, for example, uh, like one I did was clits are just little dicks. Therefore women have small PP energy. For a woman to argue against this is to argue she has a huge lady dick. Clitoris argumentation ethics. Like shit like that. Like, yeah, can, exactly. I've made so many like different riffs off argumentation ethics, even though I don't fully understand it, just because like you can kind of like create this logical proof that is like circular and just to be funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, is that not only for not only for philosophy, but entertainment as well, right? <laughs> So, you know, a funny thing about argumentation ethics that many people probably won't believe is that I kind of came to the same conclusion as Hoppe through a different method um, before I had ever read argumentation ethics. Um, so uh, people will cringe when I say this, and I came to the same realization through Descartes and uh, or Descartes or however you want to pronounce his name. I haven't really read him, so I'm yeah, yeah. Him. He's cringe. I mean, he's cringe. But I think that uh, I, I I try and explain this in in the book that I was talking about. That a I was a lot writing. of the old philosophers are pretty cringe. But to yeah, be fair, that you like you got to realize like. Uh, not to throw you off, but we, we, we like to look at old philosophers or anarchists or, or libertarians and criticize them. Like, say, for example, like Emma Goldman or some shit. A lot yeah. of people be like, well, you know, shit on her. But it's like you also got to think that, like, where she was operating off of. Like, you get to be in 2021 smug and be like, I know what's right. But it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're standing on the fucking shoulders of giants. So, right. like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that, that's why I get kind of pissed off at libertarians who like to criticize a lot of the founding fathers as well, is because I kind of feel like, hey, you know, these guys are really smart, learned guys. I mean, really fucking smart. Yeah. Jefferson's library was fucking huge yeah, and he spoke four languages. <laughs> I mean, the guy was a fucking brilliant motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like, I, I get. I get kind of twisted when people are like, when act like that, but you know, I can, um, so anyway, yeah, Descartes. So basically, uh, Descartes has uh, an existent statement. I, oh God, what's the fucking Latin cogito ergo sum. I think, um, I, I think therefore I am right. Uh, I, I'm guarantee you've heard that. I think therefore, Vegito, I, I think it's from dragon ball. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Vegito, Kajito, same thing. <laughs> Go on, um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I, if I think, I must exist, right? Oh, yeah. He's, I think, therefore I am, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think, yeah, therefore yeah. I am. So I knew I knew the name. I just couldn't remember what he was known for. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I take, I take that, I took that and I was like, well, if I think, I must exist. To deny it is a performative contradiction, right? Because I can't say I don't exist because the act of saying I don't exist or even thinking that is a denial of my existence. Mm. Um, so, um, but humans can be irrational. But anyways, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This so, philosophy word can, world can get retarded. <laughs> yeah, it can very quickly. Um, so uh, basically, how can someone that 
doesn't exist, deny its own existence. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, if I exist, then, um, I must own my thoughts because again, the inverse would be a contradiction. I can't, you know, I can't not own who I am if I'm the one saying it. Right. So there, therefore I think, therefore I am, I think, therefore I own my thoughts and, uh, as action, uh, our action, our movement of our bodies, our speech and things like that, uh, is little more than uh, thought uh, put into motion through our physical being. Um, therefore, I must own my actions as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I own my thoughts and actions, and since thought is a production of our physical body, and action is a production of the physical body, and thought combined, um, I must own myself. Um, so that's kind of how I came to the same type of conclusion uh, that Hoppe did. It's not necessarily argumentation ethics. I think argumentation ethics is much more well-developed than my my thought on this, but that's kind of how I came to that. Um, I, I'm still working on, I, I would like to integrate this with argumentation ethics. I'm still working on refining the ideas and integrating them with argumentation ethics, but uh, th- they line up really well. And I think that, uh, that there's some there's some starter there that I want to uh, expand upon some more. And I don't want to start with a statement because then people will say, well, you're starting with a statement. Therefore uh, you're starting with an argument. Therefore you're in argumentation ethics already. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're doing argumentation ethics with more steps and I don't want that criticism. So I got to find a way to get around that. Um, But it's going to take some time, but yeah, I I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I I do want to say that like, I've had people explain this to me before, and like I don't even really feel like I need argumentation ethics, just like you said, to be able to come to the conclusion that of self ownership. Like right. while I very much am like in a Sterner-esque worldview where like things are subjective and like you know, but at the same time, I feel like that's one thing. I mean, maybe obviously depending on how you define your terms, but for the most part, I don't really have any qualms of saying you own yourself. I mean, maybe in some crazy dystopian future where you can fuck with like minds and shit, you can make some sort of argument against it. But at the same time, it's like even just from a practical sense, no one really has the ability to fuck with your thoughts in that kind of way. Like they might right. be able to influence you. And, but- and then if they are and if they are, I mean, I guess what I would say to, to counter that is if they are influencing your thoughts, they've accepted that you exist and that you own them because yeah. they're trying to influence them. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be my counter argument to that. So. I, you know, I mean, it, argument to me, I think that, you know, regard. I totally agree with you that, you know, we, we can just use some basic reasoning, right? Like yeah. there's some basic reasoning here. We obviously own ourselves, but from a ph- philosophical and ph- philosophy perspective, mm-hmm. I think it's a huge step forward. And it, it's, I think it's important that people at least, you know, roughly understand it, at least to, you know, some basic level, you know, yeah. like, I think, I think it's good because if you're ever engaged in any kind of discussions, like we said, or you want to engage in entertainment, it's great. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to understand. Yeah. But I, the point I was getting at is I, I have no problem with saying this does lead to self-ownership, which I guess in a philosophical sense is kind of profound, but in a practical sense, kind of not. In my I, agree. Opinion. I, I don't disagree the, with you. Yeah. But the thing is, I feel like some people and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, want to make this a jump from self-ownership to private property ownership, which I don't see the jump there because th- because I own myself does not mean I can say I objectively own things, in my opinion. like And by the way, I'm not saying that I'm not a fan of private property. I just, I'm more of the, I think it's subjective. 
And I think that's a good way to live life uh, along those lines. So, so more of a, a utilitarian perspective. To some extent. I know you we, you guys, before I popped on yesterday, were shitting on utilitarianism. <laughs> uh, but, like, I cringe to say I'm a utilitarian, but in a, like, big brain kind of way, I sort I mean, of am. Mises but it's more was like, a utilitarian. But I, mean... <laughs> I, I, make, I make the case, though, that the what people usually associate with utilitarianism is shitty utilitarians. For example, if you always use the example of, like, oh, well, like, you know, we could just take your organs and fucking save all these people. It's like, okay, but now you set a precedent. And, like, from yeah. a utilitarian perspective, that's fucked. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, look, I, you know, I, like, I think there's use in utilitarianism. I think there's use in consequentialism. I think that there's use in a lot of these things. I just don't want all of my... Um, I just don't want my, my perspective tainted by those things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to claim them as philosophy. I, I would like to use them as arguments, if that makes sense. Like, I think utilitarian and consequentialist arguments can be very convincing arguments. And I think that they met, can mesh very well with a lot of our philosophy. But I don't think that they're a good starting point, I guess, is what I'm no, saying. No, I, I guess, I, but I agree, too. Like, if I'm making an argument, I will make the moral argument. Although it's kind of funny because I am coming from a sterner perspective where it's like morals are made up nonsense but at the same time i do ab agree with abiding by a certain moral system because i do believe that leads to a better life uh for everyone like uh, i mean if i don't want sure. people to hurt if i don't want people to hurt me and take my shit like it makes sense to be like to uh act in that way so that other people emulate that and also to some extent you know espouse that to the world that like hey we shouldn't do this you well know? yeah and i mean yeah. natively it also you know uh as a result of that then you can also say well if i don't want to be you know stabbed and shot and robbed from then i you know we should probably get rid of the thing that stabs and robs and shoots the most people right which yep. is the state so yeah. i mean yeah i think that there's some good arguments there yeah. at, but I get we're not using that because most people aren't able to come to this big brain time level right. thinking. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. if you're talking to some normie, you can't be like, oh, it's utilitarianism because then they'll make some retarded utilitarian argument. And now you're in this silly fucking consequential world. It's a lot easier to be like, hey, guess what, buddy? Uh, objective morality, even though I don't actually agree in objective morality. And I can be like, well, we shouldn't you shouldn't do that because that's bad for X, Y and Z. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I don't want to have to have this deep level conversation with some dude. I'm just trying to get because all I care is that he gets to the conclusion I want him to. You know, yeah. if that makes sense. Right. So. No. Yeah. I mean, it, that, like this is why I'm a big hater of the marketplace of ideas. Um, I was really real, man. I was so happy the other day I was listening to a podcast with, I think Jeff Diced and uh, Buck Rebel actually. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Jeff Dice was like, oh, I don't really, yeah, yeah. I, I really don't believe in the marketplace of ideas. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, yes, finally I've got somebody on my team. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I don't think that ideas are a um like look this is why we don't believe in ip right because ideas themselves aren't property and as a result um i don't think that you can have a marketplace of them because ideas themselves aren't aren't uh, aren't things that you're exchanging like you would a normal good or service right i mean there there is a such thing as propaganda and lying and uh you know, you know that things aren't uh, always objectively provably true you know what i mean like you can't just look at a thing and argumentation right i mean this is the whole thing beyond that. and, and you know, kind of out again you're kind of out again son of a bitch yeah uh did fuck I, but i would say i mean you could also make the case that it is a marketplace of ideas but 
you know, within that marketplace, there are other factors at play. And it's not simply a magical in a vacuum, just see simple ideas go to battle. Like, that's not how that works. Like, right, there are right. other it, external factors. Or who's the messenger? Which that's like why I've been saying a lot too. Where, like, you know, for example, just shit not to, to fall back in the trap of shitting the LP, but look at, go to any fucking, like, look at any fucking event, generally speaking, and look at the people that show up. Yeah, like, right. Are, exactly. Are those people that are convincing? And you know what? I know we like to be like, well, it's the ideas. It's a logic. That's not how people operate. People right. see, see some fucking Chad looking dude, which to some extent, that's why Dave Smith does so well. No homo. He's a good looking dude. He right. clearly has good genetics. He speaks well. You know, he like presents himself well. And like, he's successful. Yeah, he's successful. And so when he delivers a message, people are like, fuck yeah. Like, hell yeah. But like, if he was just some like idiot that had the right ideas or was ugly or you know i mean fat he looked, that's not he looked like conkin yeah. no <laughs> yeah, exactly i mean that's a fair criticism but like and if he but even then like uh, i don't really know how Con- i never really like listen to any of his talks or anything so i mean maybe i mean even with them there are things you can make up for it like say if you're a fat guy and you have a gravitas about you there's a, right you know i mean Absolutely. like it's, you mean there's still but if you're someone who's unimpressive how are you going to impress things upon people Exactly. Yeah, you can't. I mean, this is why you have a lot of politicians that are raised, literally raised to be politicians because they can influence people. They have a squeaky clean record. They went to all the right schools. They talked to all the right people. They're on all the right clubs and associations, you know, things like this. These people are bred to be to be quote unquote leaders, even though that they're false leaders, right? Um, Look at Sanders. He looks like he was the fucking captain of the of the the football team. Football team. I mean? like, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what this is what people do, and you know, it's a. It, I think that ultimately, I think um, you can't take it like if you're going to the store, right? And you're trying to pick a mouthwash. And you're reading the label and you're looking at it and you kind of know the manufacturer and you're like, oh, do I really, you know, do I want the Equate brand? Do I want Scope or what have you? You know, you're going to go with subjectively what you interpret to that. But not only that, you can be influenced. You can be influenced by what people are saying or doing or, you know, the commercials that you read and things like that. But I don't think that ideas are ultimately the same way because I think that there's some there's there's something ephemeral about ideas that don't quite um, don't quite line up with a product or a good. Yeah, and they don't sell themselves like a right. product. You'd be like, here's this thing, like an idea is like you. There's a whole there's so much that's cooked into it. All right, let's move on. We're getting super late in time. Uh, I want to quickly cover Hoppy and Tactics, but I feel like you can cover quickly because I feel like Hoppy and Tactics are pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you can um, it, it, go read uh, What Must Be Done. Great little article. Uh, t- lays out exactly what we have to do. Put in place these um, elements that we need to do. I, the only thing I would ever add to What Must Be Done is I think that it would be really, it would behoove the libertarian movement to have some uh, political um influence outside of politics itself. And what I mean by that is, of course, lobbyists and a lobbying organization. I think that that would be a very good use of resources and time to have. Um, But ultimately, uh, what uh, HAPA strategy is, is we take over stuff at the local level. Um, you That's where you focus. You take over small towns. You you create these little cells and pockets all around the country. And then eventually, you know, th- these things, if you take over enough positions, which it should be very easy if, we're, you know, we are who we think we are. Um, and then you start to pull them away from the mass, right? You're cutting them away from the mass. And if there's enough of them, it's going to be hard to stop, right? 
um, this is why I have criticisms of, of the, uh, the, the New Hampshire movement. So of the free state project, because it's very centralized and, mm. you know, you've got a target on your back and, and it's ripe for subversion. And if that gets subverted, you're done. You know, you, you, you don't have a backup plan, right? You don't have all these little other communities that are doing the same thing. So it, it, if I had to explain it in, you know, 30 seconds, that's what I would say. Yeah. Which to me, to, once again, uh, not to jump the shark and get to the next point, but literally, basically everything you said, I could. Oh, hey, Mac and Liberty. Uh, but uh, I could literally say that's basically what I say. But uh, I would say for the agorism like route that I would prefer. The only difference I would say doing it non politically. So that's why I'm kind of saying we're kind of perfect allies. But we'll get into that. I want to know what is your critiques of agorism, and then I'll, I'll like kind of rebut them in a non cunty way. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that ultimately, um, I, I think we probably disagree in that we're uh, may, maybe maybe we we are allies. Um, uh, maybe I'll grant you that, but I don't think that uh, the and I'm not talking about you and me, right? I'm talking about agorists and, and Hoppians. Um, I think I already know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so it's some truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I mean, um, there's. Okay, so if you read NLM, um, in NLM, uh, Konkin basically goes towards this idea of more uh, the the I don't want to say consequentialist because I, I don't want to I don't want to slander what he's saying, but more towards the goal of agorism is more e equalizing and egalitarian kind of nature of, of uh, an anti uh, corporate state philosophy, mm -hmm. and uh, you. Ultimately, you have to oppose wage labor and um, not only uh, that, but um, it, it's a kind of an anti-hierarchical um, system. And as a result, uh, on, on the Hoppian side, we're very pro-hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. We like hierarchies. It's that we don't like unnatural hierarchies. And I think Adoris would agree with that. Unnatural hierarchies are bad, but I think that they, I think Konkin goes a little too far in that his, um, his, analysis of hierarchies is that most hierarchies are bad. Um, and I mean, he, he hated the LP because he called it, what, what, what did he call it? Partyarchy or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, he hated the idea of the Libertarian Party from that perspective is that it was a hierarchy. And on the Hoppian side, it's like, we like hierarchies. Hierarchies are yeah. great and hierarchies are great because the market is a hierarchy. Um, the inequality that's created between men gives us the division of labor. Um, the inequality that is created between us creates trade and separation and things like that. And these are all good and positive things. And that's where we want to go. Um, I, I also think that um, agorists are uh, probably more pro entrepreneurial than pro uh, wage labor, as I mentioned a second ago. Um, uh, Hoppians are very much pro wage labor. And the reason that we're pro wage labor is that, um, not everybody through time preference, and we can talk about that a little more, but through time preference, not everybody has the high enough time preference to show what an entrepreneur, uh, not as high of a time preference as an entrepreneur needs because mm -hmm. entrepreneurialism requires risk and it requires high time preference because you don't always have an immediate return on investment. Right. But a lot of people, a lot of people are lazy and stupid. I mean, I, not saying everybody listening to this podcast is lazy and stupid, but a lot of people are, and a lot of people like that paycheck at the end of the week. A lot of people don't want to put a whole lot of effort. They want to go in and they want to be a drone. Right. And there will always be people like that. And we see that as the natural order and not something that you need to fuck with. And if you start fucking with that, you create problems. That's yeah. 
you know, one minute. That's that's my that's my difference. Yeah. Uh, so all right, with the hierarchy thing, I would say that I basically a hundred percent agree. But I think the difference is, say, with like the hierarchy thing or with the like corporate structures, is I would one little minor distinction, and I've been I, I say this a lot is, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not against saying that maybe he was a little bit wrong in some of his characterizations. I think he was mostly on point, but like maybe he like characterized things a little bit wrong. The way I read it, the way I interpret it, and it's also been a while. Is um same for he, me. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah like it's he, been a while. I feel like he didn't view these things in binaries. I felt I feel like he viewed them along a spectrum type thing. So like that's what I've been saying. That's been a talking point I've been using for a while. I feel like you know, especially with like the public private, like a lot of people, like all like sure. libertarians fall into the trap of viewing this as binary. And I feel yeah. like it's a spectrum. It really is. Like because Amazon, if you're I don't, a binary, yeah, is private. I don't disagree. Like, I don't yeah, disagree so, at all. So my point being is say say with like the uh, with like entrepreneurialism, I do think in a pure anarchy, then like that is preferable. I, I I like I feel like that is the but yes, there are obviously going to be people who like are too shitty to like not they'll do that. But if you look at a system like uh, he broke it down pretty well, and I'm not going to do it as well as he did in in the book that how it's the it is like the most effective uh, system in a sense. And but he does account for that there would probably still be wage labor. That's fine. He's not saying we shouldn't have wage labor. He's just saying this is preferable. Essentially, yeah. you should act this way. And I don't necessarily think that's even really anti-Hoppian either. I would think a Hoppians would probably, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, would say that is preferable, but you guys still uh, accept the fact that there are going to people be people who are the fucking the peasants that are like, well, you're, you're, <laughs> you don't have like you're going to be doing wage labor because you don't have any sort of marketable skills. Yeah, so he's, I, he's I would appealing to people to uh, abide by that that way. You know, I to totally get your argument. Yeah. I, I would disagree with that a little bit in that uh, Hoppe is very much pro natural elite and natural elitism uh, would require um, there to be those people. Um, and I think that that's more of an interpretation of like human action and, you know, who we are as individuals, right? We're never all going to be that way. And, you know, if you could somehow indoctrinate every human being to be an entrepreneur and, and you know, or even 98%, right? You're not going to have a, a, the natural elite at that point. And when you don't have the natural elite and you don't have the inequality um, that is required of, of human, uh, the human condition, then you lose certain things, lose certain important things, in my opinion, um, especially in, in the realm of the division of labor. Now, I know that Agris obviously have the, an answer to that. And that the answer to that is, well, if you have, you don't necessarily need that much division of labor when everybody's an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. So I get that argument, totally understand that. But I do think that there, there are benefits yeah. um, that are that are unseen in that, that, that would require that. And then also, I think, um, you know, if, if you're going to have those differences in people and people are going to be different, then you're going to have different things that come as a result, right? And I think that those are ultimately good things. I think that you're going to see, um, you know, with, uh, so, so trade is a perfect example, right? Like if we're all entrepreneurs and we all have, you know, Bitcoin mining operations in our basement that and 3D printers that can produce everything we need and you have, you know, super special, you know, future uh, Gene Roddenberry, you know, replicators and shit, you, you know, you're not going to need that. You're not going to have that trade. And trade is really important because trade creates separation and trade creates peace and I think that uh, ultimately I want to work within the human condition instead of um, 
trying to get away from it. Cause I think the human condition is beautiful. I think, I think that our inequalities are, are wonderful. I think, uh, you know, hobbyists may cringe when I say this, but diversity is wonderful. It's amazing. It's beautiful. The, the differences between you and me, Jose make us unique and it makes us special. And I don't want to ever get away from that because you end up destroying the human being. And I, I, I would hate to see that. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess I would say that like, uh, even like, e once again, I feel like he's kind of pushing this. He's not saying this is what it has to be, but sure. I would I would say that um, even even if like he got to his magical agorist world, that like everyone's an entrepreneur, which I don't even I don't even know if I'd necessarily say that he actually thinks that's how it would be. He just like that's a preferable mode. But like even if you got to that, you would still have a hierarchy amongst entrepreneurs. So uh, you know, that, yeah, uh, in a way, yeah, you probably would. And I think that I think. So I think where um, Agoras and Hoppians can would be extremely integratable is if all of the kind of the 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 disregard for hierarchy. If if Agoras really embraced the hierarchical structure of humanity and the the natural inequality, we'd be right in line because I think that a lot of our a lot of our goals are pretty damn similar, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the way that we want to get there is similar. Now you want to do different things and we, I want to do different things. Um, but I think that we're all working towards the same goal because you know, I, I don't, I've never read Kant can say anything bad about private communities that do their own thing. I think that that's uh, probably a preeminent goal of agorism is to, to, you know, delineate uh, people into these entrepreneurial spheres so we can create that kind of, you know, uh, decentralized mass. And um, I, I'm more probably, I don't know what your personal, uh, you know, uh, inclination is, but I'm extremely far right. Right. I, I like the conservative kind of, I live in a fucking small town. I know the fucking guy that runs a store and, you know, like this is my community and I love my community. I'm still an individual, but I, I, I and not that I owe anything to the community, but I want to be a part of that. And I think that not saying that agorists are totally against this. Definitely not putting words in your mouth, I promise. But yeah, I think yeah. that agorists are a little further away from that than Hoppians are. And I think that that's mostly where we're, where, where we're uh, opposed. Yeah. But I, I, I would say that's a bit of a misconception. And, and even then I think that's a misconception that probably carries over into agorists as well, because sure. you know, it's kind of like once you set out a stereotype, then people kind of send to fill the stereotype. Yeah. The like stereotype everybody is calls us Nazis. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have the stereotype of some fucking dude that lives alone in the woods and like that's an agorist. And it's like, <laughs> I actually would be like, I would like the way I understand it is that what's ideal is to have a network. So like you essentially are like, I think when I think of agorism and what would be beautiful is if like, if we were able to have something along those lines, like say on a national or state or whatever level is essentially what becomes the American dream is having like, maybe like a small farm where you're a little bit self-dependent, but you still have people you trade with and stuff like that. Like you're like that. And obviously like, that's the, that's why I say it's the American dream. Like I'm not saying, or whatever state dream or whatever the fuck, yeah. like it's, that's what the goal is. And there's going to be people who don't, don't meet that. Like that's the general gist. Whereas yeah. modern days, that's not the thing. And right. like, and, well, I mean, know? something that I'm sure that we can both agree on is that, you know, like the modern city structure and the modern city state is, is, as far away from being a libertarian as possible, mm. any kind of libertarian, right? Like this, this kind of cosmopolitan idea of, you know, everybody lives in a fucking pod and eats the bugs. And, you know, we're, we're moving away from getting people, uh, you know, out of the rural areas and we're going to group everybody together and we're all going to be a gigantic happy family, right? Like that's, 
I think that that is the most, um, for, for every libertarian is the most egregious, awful thing that we can think of. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that we can all work together. I think that, um, ultimately, you know, I do think my personal opinion is politics is a great way forward. I think that we can do a lot with it. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's the, the end goal. I don't think that uh, we want to engage in, in political strategy all the time, right? I don't think that that's where we want to be, but I do think it's a, a viable means of getting where we want to go. And as a result, I, you know, go, go join the local GOP. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, that's, I guess would be probably for me, in my opinion, when it comes to like, at least how I view agorism and how I view like Hoppian type setup is that would be the only place where we really diverge, where you guys see more of a means for econo- uh, for politics. And even then, I like I think I sent a show last night on Tower Power that I I did, like I have an order of preference. Like I get some people are going to exist within the political realm, and they're like too because a lot of people shit on like agorists and be like, oh, we just think people aren't going to be in politics. Like, yeah, I get it. People are going to fucking do it. Like I can't yeah, magically yeah, yeah. control everyone, but <laughs> I, I do have an order of preference. Like if someone has come to me, it's like I absolutely have to be do politics. I'd be like, well, go read what must be done. Like, like, go do that. If that's what you really feel like you need to do, like that is the route. That's yeah. That's the ideal route. Like, like go fucking doing a local level. And but then I think, like in my head, the way I see it is like, you know, we kind of pair perfectly. Like, like that's why I'm saying like we're natural allies. I feel like Hoppians and and uh, fucking Agorists are like the perfect allies because if we existed in the same fucking community, it would actually make your political route more amenable and more more able to do because you have a a group of people who are creating pockets of liberty. And I know you, I think you've said before that it can lead to more authoritarianism. Uh, and I kind of actually agree. Uh, yeah. This is kind of pops uh, popular liberties theory of archetropism. And it's uh, essentially that power is like a fixed pie. Yeah. And essentially, and I, but I have no problem with that. I have no problem with if I create more liberty for my, myself and it creates more authoritarianism somewhere else. I know a lot of people say, Oh my God, like I don't give a fuck. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. and, 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 to me, that actually is kind of beautiful. Like, if we can get, and I think uh, Hoppians kind of do this as well. Uh, I think you kind of have a similar effect uh, because you're obviously looking at the local level, and you're going to create more liberty in a local level, and then thus create more power or more authoritarian power elsewhere. Which you know what? I want to increase the divide. I want like part like. I, I agree. I th- I think that um, ultimately part of my strategy and part of Hoppus too is that you know we want to create this divisiveness between us because it will create separation, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I totally agree with that. Where I would say I, I diverge with the 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 agorist theory around you know like okay well I'm t- I, I said this exact same thing on Pete's show which is. You know, like you can point to a few examples in history where people that did that ultimately ended up prolonging the existence of the state because they they uh, released the pressure valve on a lot of people's lives. And I want to increase that pressure valve. I think that operating within the state a lot of times are operating within the state or outside of the state can create a uh, that release of pressure off of people to not want to hate each other. And I want to increase that. So I've said this on Twitter hundreds of times, hate is great, right? Because hate between us is going to cause us to realize that we can't live together. Right. So yeah. those are the types of things that I, that I push against. And that's kind of why I think that, that not necessarily you and me, I, I like you said, you know, we're all on a spectrum a little bit, but I, I more than one, the autism spectrum too. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I think that's where, where me and a lot of agorists diverge. And I think that it can create, um, 
and this may not be a fair criticism of all agorists, but I think a lot of agorists, um, and you know, people can do the same thing with Hoppians. You know, they all, all the time. I see this shit on Twitter. It aggravates the shit out of me. So if I'm doing that to you, you know, interrupt me. But I, I see a lot of times they'll be like, okay, well, we need to create these kind of cartel organizations and things like this to to work outside of the state. And I think that that ultimately creates a, a it creates a ton of fucking violence and it creates a ton of hardship. Like if you, if you look at like the cartels, right? Like. You, you, I could make the case that a lot of the cartels are very much an agorist organization because they're trading in drugs and trading in weapons and things like that. And they are fighting the state. They're fighting the Mexican state right now, right, for control. But it's not necessarily a good thing that they're doing that because mm. they're creating chaos and, and disorder where we want to create order and the natural order, right? Yeah. So, that, you know, and again, I don't want to I don't want to paint you in any yeah. particular light. I, like a lot of people get me wrong because like on Twitter, I'm a fucking asshole. I'm a fucking prick and I have I make no excuse for it at all. I like being a fucking mm. prick, but I'm a nice guy and, and I can talk to anybody as long as you know they're a reasonable person yeah no i mean i i don't know how much i would really put into that criticism not to because i i feel like yes there's truth to that and that like creating black markets to some extent uh i mean Conkin would say they're creating red, red markets so sure. like like he would like obviously he's against violence so i mean if you have that undergirding of that philosophy of like that's not cool i don't i really feel like like it wouldn't create that violence and i, I like once again i do agree that it does to some extent, pro I mean, maybe I don't know if I'd say it'd prolong it. Once again, I would go back to maybe it gives the is seemingly like it's prolonging it, but I, I think it, it it just shifts the concentration of power. It, it I, could, like yeah. Like that's yeah. the way I see it. So it, it could. I, I think yeah. it's the it's the application where you get a lot of uh, disparate effects. I guess I would say. Yeah. So that's but the whole point I'm getting is like if you have a community of agorists who are essentially have created a pocket of liberty ish that's a decentralized because that's kind of that's how what they we operate. want. That's what Hoppians yeah. want. And then yeah. you guys can if you want to like. Well, I think the politics may not work. Like maybe in this situation, it actually would because you have a community that's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, I'm not really cool with politics, but these like fuckers want to like uphold my property rights i can't really complain right like, yeah yeah have, yeah you yeah. kind of have a perfect rulers and a perfect populace to rule over essentially yeah you know i think I mean? <laughs> like at the at the end of the day like if we were in Ka in kapistan right now i have no doubt that the hoppians would trade with the agorists right yeah I have no doubt about that because yeah. the agorists are going to have access to things that uh that the hoppians aren't necessarily going to have immediate access to and we're going to want to trade for that stuff right yeah. so i think that we we would play let me put it this way. We would play well in a diverse Ancapistan much more than um, say a lot of like the left libertarian, you know, ridiculous shit would play. I think that uh, I th actually think kind of fun funnily agorists are um, a uh, they're the, don't take this the wrong way, but they're kind of like a disease to that more hardcore left libertarianism because they're going to introduce things into that community that um, aren't being uh, as, I get for the lack mean. of a better word, policed. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna create that disease, and I you know ultimately I think a lot of. Uh, anarcho-communism and shit like that's going to collapse anyway. It can't exist because it doesn't have good economics and you're going to end up devolving into a uh, situation where uh, they're going to go back to, to caveman times and start killing each other and, you know, trying to raid other communities and stuff like that. So, yeah. which I think to some extent, that's a fair criticism because uh, one thing that happens, I touched this on a live stream the other day. Someone asked why Hoppians and Nagras can't get along on a live stream. I did a few days ago and fucking, uh, 
like one of the things I brought up is like me just assuming that trying to give the best critiques you guys would have is that I know you guys typically have issues with us identifying as left libertarians, which I don't personally, but the problem is Konkin identified it as a left. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but I mean, obviously like, I don't know if you're aware, but I mean, a lot of people are aware that he was using a different definition. So he wasn't meaning it in the colloquial sense we use it today. He was meaning it at left and right, right being seeing, basically seeing a path utilizing the political system left seeing no like basically being outside the political system like so he's that's why i identified rothbard's right but the point i'm getting at is him just doing that like obviously he didn't have the foresight of the future and how mm-hmm, people interpret mm-hmm. this later so i mean you can't really fault him too much but to some extent that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah so like because of the fact that see, people see this and like oh left libertarian that's why like you got like i was i kind of played along because i completely agree there are a lot of fucking faggots that are aggressive. Like, there just <laughs> yeah. are. Like, like, because like, this is why I'm like kind of in my head. Like, should I start identifying more as like a wealth power influence? Because I actually see those as like, but they don't have a good ca- catchy name. I actually see those as basically the same thing, but identi- but like with different packaging. So, yeah. Like, a- you know? a- a- to me, from like I've had a lot of debates and arguments with Agoras. Mm-hmm. From what I can see, you're much closer to me than I think you are to a lot of them. Yeah, um, what's also I- again the self fulfilling prophecy, right? Because of the fact that it's like lefties, like or, or it identifies the left libertarian, it attracts left libertarians because yes. they like, are, and they're then they get in there, and then on the other hand, you have you guys like look at these fucking lefties. And so it kind of is like, you know, you know, if I had a kid and I called him a faggot his whole life, he's probably going to be a faggot. faggot like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that happening. Yeah. yeah. I, I never really thought about it like that. But yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see that happening. I mean, Roderick Long uh, talked about Conklin several times, and I think that maybe it was unfair of me to take Roderick's interpretation as everybody's interpretation. But, you know, Roderick's Roderick, right? I mean, he's a yeah. well-read, well um uh, known uh, left libertarian, and he maybe he was absorbing that where other people could have interpreted that differently. I don't know Conkin's motiv- motivations. I, I don't know what he really thought. You know, so I mean, th- there, I think there's utility in a lot of a lot of different philosophies. Um, I mean, to be fair, I read his books and I inter- I interpret them through my own lens, right? Coming from the right, so and I just saw utility in them, and so I mean, maybe like because. And that's a, the, the inherent issue in labels where it's like I'm going to put my own flair on it. And, you know, maybe I'm the correct flair because I, I do think there has been any, there's a reason people don't like Agris because they fucking have a shitty marketing problem. We have a, a few of them. I'm not going to like name names, but they fucking are cunty fucks. Like, yeah. and they have been that on the large stage and people like they just don't know how to properly socialize i i don't know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah i get it i get it i i, I think that um i i would really like to um maybe see a debate between like you and someone that's more um that that feels really really steeped in the agorist left especially the hardcore left logic um, that gets applied to agorism a lot. I think I would really like to see that. It might might shift some of my opinions. And, and you know, you know, you call someone a faggot. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> but but I think you make some compelling arguments. Yeah. I think I think that uh, you make you make some good points. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, I, I'm I'm never going to really abandon uh, the hierarchies 
Um, and I'm not saying that obviously, you know, you made some compelling points there about, you know, not necessarily being against hierarchies and certain, you know, entrepreneurs are going to have that hierarchy anyway. I don't necessarily know. If yeah. Conkham, a, not to cut you off, but even from an elitist perspective, that's what you're, we're, we're trying to create elites. So I actually like elitism. I'm very amenable to elitism. Yeah. See, you're, you're, like, you, you, yeah. you're hopping, bro. Just like, admit, just come on over. I know you're hopping, bro. Like I know, I know, yeah. like seriously though, I mean, to, to an extent, I think, I think you, you're opinions very much align with us yeah. very closely much more than you know like you know we can get in again philosophies a bitch right like yeah. and people's interpretations and things like that but i think that especially me and you um yeah mac and liberty become hoppy and man come on um <laughs> but yeah well, I, I think i still don't agree. well i mean like i don't necessarily agree with the route you're going but i do think it's like the next order of preference so i just i just so maybe i could say i'm almost i guess i'm an agorist with fucking hoppy and uh tendencies yeah Yeah. there you go (laughs) (laughs) so yeah well i'd much let me put it this way i'd much rather associate with an agorist like you than uh a hoppian who engages in uh you know some kind kind of socialism apology or something like that the tranny anime yeah yeah exactly yeah so (laughs) tranny uh, anime pfp yeah 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 so (laughs) oh my god um but yeah so I mean, it, I think this was a great discussion. I, no, it's fun. Yeah, I, I like this a lot, actually. I thought we were going to be a little more um, a little more at each other's throats yeah. than we were. So th- I think I'm this was great. You, that's what I was trying to say. Like, I don't really necessarily disagree with anything. And then when I've heard critiques of agorism from, like, Hoppians, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, you're right. But I mean, if you look at it a little bit different, then I'm like, okay, well, this. Like, so I'm, I don't – like, basically, I 100% agree with Hoppians. I just don't – necessarily i see being able to do it in a non-political sense sure which to, to be to be fair that's kind of what i'm saying like maybe they pair up well maybe i'm wrong about the political things and so it's kind of like you know these two things paired up because you got to have people who don't want to be involved in politics like you have to in a community like right. you can't have everyone be in fucking politics it's just not right. fucking you know it's not a useful uh, division of labor <laughs> like, right yeah so, that, that's like, fair yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's actually a pretty god good, uh, goddamn good time to fucking go ahead and kill it. If anyone in the chat has any questions or anything, we can do that now. I'll give you guys a second. I'll let you do your plugs in the meantime, and that way, uh, if we have any good questions, we'll fucking answer it then. Yeah. So uh, again, I'm Jared at End Democracy. It's on the screen there. Please follow me. I, I need a bigger following so I can I can press the the good word of professor hoppa to the whole world um, podcast bro <laughs> yeah oh my god so many people have told me that like why don't you start a podcast and i'm like bro do you have any idea how much time that shit takes like i i don't have not that time. much really dude bro, for, yeah but, but i'm trying like our site is like needs yeah. work right now and like i there's so we have a backlog of of published articles that we need to get out um yeah, but but anyway, yeah. No one reads articles. Do <laughs> <laughs> I barely read articles. I read a lot. <laughs> uh, um, right, yeah, no, you're right. Um, get, visit hoppyin.org. Um, Matt Mac, who's in the chat, she's our very wonderful um, social media uh, director. So she runs all those accounts. Um, follow the Hoppyin at the Hoppyin on Twitter. Uh, visit the website, check us out on Instagram, Minds, Gab, any other thing that you can think of. We're on there. Just search for us. You'll find us. And uh, yeah, follow those accounts, um, especially the Hoppian. You know, I made the pitch for me, but follow the Hoppian. That's that's the project. That's what we want to do. We we gotta we gotta get these ideas out there because at the end of the day, um, we don't want uh, we don't want the uh, anarcho communists to win, right? So. <laughs>
I mean, not win. I mean, if they want to go have their fucking little commune somewhere, I don't give a shit. Like it's gonna as, go, go bad, but whatever. As long <laughs> as it's in, as long as it implodes and I've got my wall up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. Have fun. You'll come back later. I mean, you do. You gotta have somebody sell shit too. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, man, I don't see any questions. I'll do my fucking uh, plugs, and if there's questions, we'll address it then. And if there's nothing at that point, I'll do an ad read, and then me and you shoot the shit in post. Cool. Uh, I'm I'm fucking No Way Jose YouTube channels where I'm at. I'm also on all the audio podcasts or podcatchers or whatever the fuck. I'm gonna have a few beers and getting a little loose lipped. Uh, Odyssey. Uh, I'm on there. I'm at Galley San Jose on Twitter. Patreon.com says no way Jose 2020 if you want to give me shit because uh, I like money. Like, share, subscribe, all that shit that I'm supposed to fucking say. Uh, deuces. All right, I'm going to play my ad read. Stick around for the ad because I get fucking money from this shit. All right, so fucking. Watch his ads, yeah, man. Yeah, fucking do it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if you love playing fancy football but struggle to find the right resource to help with your research, the guys at Football Insider Edge have you covered. Whether you are a season-long player, focused on DraftKings or FanDuel contests, or just like to make the occasional wager each week on a couple of games, Football Insider Edge provides you with the research tools and in-depth analysis to take your game to the next level. With their proprietary model, matchup charts, and industry award-winning content, the team at Football Insider Edge have devoted themselves to educating their subscribers, helping them improve their play, and a few special moments winning life-changing money. They are proud of the community they've built through weekly interaction on their Slack chat channel and take great pride in helping others to achieve their goals of becoming better fantasy players. As supporters of the show and of the Liberty Movement as a whole, they are currently offering a 20% discount on any monthly or full season plan on their website. Just go to footballinsideredge.com and use the code JOSE at checkout to take advantage of the discount offer today. So if you guys are fantasy football people, go check this out. It's a win-win-win. I win, you win, they win. There's no loss here. It's fucking capitalism, baby. Let's do it.